Welcome to the Coaching Talks Podcast, your inspirational moment to continue your growth journey. Are leaders made or born? Why are some leaders successful and some others not? Today, we'll talk about how can we support leadership growth together with the international executive coach, Mark Siles, and our special guest, the business coach, Minna Suta. And now, relax and enjoy. In the business environment, some people can grow into leadership positions, while some others want to stay as individual contributors. One of the main challenges in developing leaders is how can organizations help them to move easily and quickly through different development stages, adapting at the same time to their strengths and preferences. Their development and the future they are creating is critical for organizations and this is the ultimate factor to generate sustainable success. David Rookie and William Trobert, experts on organizational transformations and leadership, mention in one of their articles that most developmental psychologists agree that what differentiates leaders is not so much their philosophy of leadership, their personality or their style of management, rather it's their internal action logic. This means how they interpret their surroundings and react when their power or safety is challenged. Few leaders, however, try to understand their own action logic and fewer still have explored the possibility of changing it. Today we have a special guest with us, Minna Suto. Minna is a former senior executive and a certified business coach. She works with leaders, experts and teams helping them to cope with organizational and personal change. Welcome to our show, Minna. Thank you. Your experience in the world of leadership development is pretty extensive. What made you being so interested around the world of leadership and growth? Well, I have for long been fascinated about the different types of leaders we find in organizations. And uh, here I'm not talking about the differences in, in temperament or, or whether people are introverted or extroverted mm -hmm. or, or any, of, any of that. Children grow up to become teenagers and young adults and then they become more mature and grown up. And for a long time it was thought that that's it. When you reach your mid-20s, <laughs> um, then you're done. And of course, some people do seem to stop there. That's true. Uh, eventually, they are in their 50s, but they still think and act pretty much the same they did in their uh, early 20s. And in, in Finland, we actually have this song where we say that, you know, I hope that you will never change in your whole life. And, and you know, for me, that's like a nightmare of a song, yet, you know, that you will stay the same all your, all your life. Most adults, their thinking becomes less black and white, able to take more perspectives on matters and develop better interpersonal skills too. And for the last 40 years or so, many wonderful psychologists have been devoting their time on this matter, like, you know, researching, doing research on how do adults develop, how do adults mature, what goes on in their thinking. And in these recent years, I have been in, uh, immersed in, in all these various uh, adult adult development theories and uh, I have found them very useful in, in the work that I do in coaching and, and just like, you know, talking with organizations. If I remember right, one of those theories is called the action logics, uh, kind of a way uh, of looking at leadership uh, development. The authors have written one of the most popular ever Harvard Business Review articles on leadership uh, called The Seven Transformations of Leadership. In that article, they describe different types of leadership. Could you tell us a bit more about the three most common leadership stages? 
Yes. Um, before I came came here today to to talk about this, I, I thought it would be interesting to concentrate on, on the three most common leadership stages. Okay. And they are called expert, mm-hmm. achiever, and catalyst. Right. And by the way, the research finds that most leaders in organizations are usually found in one of these three stages of development. Hmm. And this also, you know, fits nicely with my own experience uh, in organizations. And uh, in Finland, we say that our country, for example, we are the promised land for all kinds of experts and achievers. And the Action Logics model is a seven-stage seven model where each stage builds upon the previous one. Mm-hmm. So you can't jump the stage. Uh, each stage brings uh, some exciting new capabilities in addition to those you have developed earlier. And you will always have the skills that you have developed previously. So it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're walking upstairs and you're learning every at every stage, you're learning new things. And then you keep those things that you have learned. But you have kind of like uh, you have uh, the choice whether to use use those ways of thinking or not. Torbert calls the first stage of leader, leaders opportunists. Um, they are all uh, all about me. It's like the me, me, me people. Mm. And um, what's in it for me type of leaders. They are then followed by diplomats who are all about we. Like what do we think? It's uh, it's it's all about uh, what do other people think about me? Do I fit in this group? Yeah. And neither opportunists or diplomats are very effective leaders in today's world. Mm. You know, they, they still, they, their opportunists are so self-centered that they have difficulties maintaining good, mutually beneficial relationships with others. Mm-hmm. And diplomats are too much of uh, rules and regulations that we all have to do everything the same way and we all have to know how to do things here. And uh, they, they have that kind of leadership. Uh, people don't find it attractive anymore. People want to increasingly think with their own brains also and make decisions. And they don't want to be controlled in, in, in that way. And the diplomat way of leadership is based on position. So it's about the title that you have in the organization and your authority comes from that. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, built on the expertise or the achievements or, or your ability to create transformations in organizations. Actually, as, as you were explaining it, I think that I recognize uh, not just a lot of my clients into in those patterns and those stages, but also myself thinking about the experience of. Uh, yeah. So, so you, so you, idea. so you said that you have been an opportunist and then you you've been a diplomat. You know, I I, I kind of like you know I talk with my clients and and uh, and these are stages that everybody goes through. Like I say that I have two opportunists at home. One is seven years of age and the other one is nine years of age. <laughs> you know, when they think that your mother can't see them, this is this is what kind of opportunists they are and uh, one way of learning things and then when they become teenagers I think that you know those girls will grow into the kind of like diplomat way where, where everybody has to dress the same and you don't have to listen to the same music because <laughs> your group is the one and, and all that you know there comes the stage when they kind of like you know they want to think about what do I want to do with my life and maybe they will start studying something and they will start developing some kind of an expertise and um, a bit more like individual thinking like you know what do I think about this world mm. it's no longer like you know defined by by your friends you may do may make some kind of like increasing choices yourself also that sounds like an interesting stage when you are mentioning the expert stage mm. uh, especially when thinking of leadership uh, let me ask you which are the main characteristics then of an expert 
Well, experts, uh, you know, once once they start developing their expertise and their skills, they are often very, very good. Like they're excellent individual contributors. They're very valuable in organizations and they have developed uh, excellent skills uh, in problem solving in their particular area of expertise. So you can have marketing experts and you have engineers, project managers, quality specialists, product development experts, social workers, teachers, you name it. And and they are happiest working when when they don't have like you know they don't have to do like you know five year plans but but you know more more kind of like shorter term plans maybe six years to one one year so you kind of like you can you can have you can work long term longer term than diplomats or or optimists but you you're still kind of like happy happy working with like these kind of like mid range. I notice also among some of my clients uh, the pressure they put on themselves when taking the role of an expert. Uh, which do you believe that are the biggest challenges for experts who want to grow their leadership capabilities? Well, experts are very they're they're very identified with their expertise. So kind of like if you want to if you want to challenge an ex- expert and if you want to really like you know you know you challenge their expertise and you ask questions like you know you doubt their expertise and because they are often very critical also of themselves their kind of like identity is based on their level of their expertise like they i am my expertise hmm. Uh, and 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 it often de- develops or or leads into perfectionism and there seems to be like no end to this like how much you need to know about these things and that that sometimes um uh leads into difficulty in determining what is enough how many hours do you need to put into you know, this project you know how long does this project actually take and a common example would be a team of software developers for example mm-hmm. who just doesn't know where to draw the line in adding new functionalities to the program so you know uh, the deadline is there and and the hours allocated to this project uh, you know that would have made it profitable and the, the hours have already been spent but yeah. they still insist on like we need to add this and we need to do this because it's not perfect yet mm-hmm. and if we would just add these things it would be perfect and experts uh, therefore they they sometimes they lose lose uh, the sight of the bigger picture I can recognize that among some of the teams I'm coaching as well. And I have also observed that in the junior management level, uh, we tend to find the expert figure a lot, mm-hmm. uh, at least uh, when they take up their first uh, leadership positions. And I think that that creates some difficulties when having to work, for example, with uh, strategic long-term goals, as you've mentioned now, and mm-hmm. that needs to coordinate other people, right? Yes, see, yes, this is this is kind of like when it becomes more complex. Like when an expert can do their own thing, they're very good in that. But then when there are uh, you know external deadlines and external people, other people involved, then it becomes so com- complex. Mm-hmm. And often, often uh, what triggers growth in in experts is that their mindset is no longer helping them to meet the demands mm-hmm. that they, their job you know puts in them. Yeah. And uh, the tasks get more complicated. They involve leading other people, not just managing projects and tasks like they previously could have done. And uh, and then the expert's way of showing leadership is no longer enough. What do you mean uh, when saying that uh, it isn't uh, good enough? Well, experts are very uh, focused on their expertise. Sometimes they miss the point that, you know, that their behavior also has an impact on the environment it's not just the what they know but how they come about telling and sharing their knowledge and and expertise uh-huh. and uh, experts are not very good in dealing dealing with 
feedback, especially when it comes from somebody who is not an expert in their field. So kind of like they would like it to be from an other expert. Someone so they, they, tend, yeah. they tend to respect other experts. Yes. And, and they, they, you know, if you're a marketing person, you can accept criticisms from another marketing person. But if a salesperson comes and criticizes it, you know, they don't know anything because they are from sales. They don't understand marketing. <laughs> right. And, you know, if it comes from production, even less because, you know, they have nothing to do. They don't really understand what marketing is all about. That's right. And, and this is kind of like, you know, the silo mentality that is also also often with with the expert style of leadership. Mm-hmm. So marketing experts uh, may have the difficulty understanding the challenges of production and production may not speak the language of finance and finance may not acknowledge the expertise of HR and this expert mentality creates silos and, and in our complex times you know you can't work in a silo you have to be able to work cross-functionally exactly. you have to be able to work with other people and we need people who can cooperate across these functions and work together from different backgrounds with yourself. Self-growth is tender. It's holy ground. There's no greater investment. Stephen Covey. People are shocked sometimes that somebody whom they perceive is less, less of an expert but has better people skills, you know, is getting ahead in their career. And they are really, sometimes they're insulted by that fact that, you know, I am, I am a better expert, you know, I know a lot more. And that person is getting ahead in their career and they don't even know these things that I know. How come and why? Leadership is not just about the knowledge. It's, it's about how you get pe- other people to, you know, work together with you towards the same goal. I agree, especially uh, understanding not just the situations that you have mentioned, but how this also interrupts or makes uh, personal growth even more challenging for this type of individuals. So how can you actually facilitate growth and move into a more, let's say, effective leadership mindset if you are an expert? Which advices could we give? Of course, there are many things that people can do. And, and sometimes people start developing like organically. They, they just uh-huh. simply like, you know, they get in these situations and they develop. But uh, if you're not that type of a person, if you're really wondering, like, you know, if you're a very, very hardcore expert, like the first yes. piece of advice would be that make, make, make this kind of a shift in your thinking, like start focusing more on delivering the result than on perfecting your own knowledge. Okay. So, so you make that shift, like, you know, what is the end result? You think more about the end result first. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that maybe, maybe it's not, maybe the key towards the end result is not getting more expertise in your field. Maybe there are other areas of life that you could focus on. And maybe it's not just what you know that matters, but how you do things that is of importance. Mm-hmm. So if you become aware of differences between your own assumptions and those of other people, like practice new conversational strategies like um, you may be right and I'd like to understand what leads you to believe that you know that you that you start doubting also your own expertise that you know how could I be wrong and then maybe maybe one good thing for uh, experts is to participate in training programs where where it's not just about your field of expertise But you, you start, you know, learning about delegation and leading high performing teams. So there are all these kinds of like interesting areas that you can start exploring. 
and uh, learn about negotiation skills, time management skills, all kinds of skills that uh, sometimes are grouped as soft skills, but I think that these are really hard skills. Extremely important, yeah, yeah, especially also the energy management skills as well. Yes, energy management, yes, yes, all, all of these. And then, then maybe you can start practicing giving and requesting feedback. That's uh, a mm-hmm. really huge challenge for most of us. Feedback is not just valuable on getting to know how you are performing on the skills that you have, but it's also important to to start thinking about like how do other people uh, see you as a person? Like how do you, how do how do you communicate? Mm-hmm. Like what do other people think about your communication skills? And what are you already doing well also? Because often experts are very critical of themselves. So they are just looking for the what three things I would need to develop. But uh, for experts, it would be really like, you know, a fantastic feeling. I, I sometimes give a big challenge to experts and I say to them that, you know, uh, do, a, do a brief questionnaire. Like you ask five people that what are my strengths and, and you, you're not allowed to ask for the weaknesses. And most experts find that part of the thing really challenging. And ask only about your strengths. I, f- I think that that is the most challenging bit for so many people. That you know they're not used to looking at their own on on good points. That's right. And not just only that. It was just published last month in the Harvard Business Review. The danger on uh, focusing on weaknesses. Mm. It's said to uh, arouse our fight or flight responses. Yes. Uh, this is directed to our sympathetic uh, nervous system, mm-hmm. which is linked to also stress, anxiety, and it causes also uh, it impairs, according to this research, our learning capabilities. On the other side, what you said when we focus on which are our strengths mm. and how can we develop them even for better yes. purposes that adds also to the growth mindset uh, type of mentality and using them to also feel a more rewarding uh, environment at work so from what you are saying it also seems that uh, by following this development path experts can get the best of being an achiever as well uh, which are the strengths that being an achiever would bring with it well, uh, this is this is where we are now talking about this theory again, right? So that yeah. you are at the expert stage, and then you grow into becoming an achiever, and um, and this is where you kind of like you have a broader uh, view of life. You will not be just thinking about your individual performance, but you start thinking about, for example, your team's performance. Mm-hmm. You will start thinking about your department's performance, and you will have a, an ability to meet strategic goals. Achievers understand that they can't do everything by themselves, mm-hmm. so they start valuing and promoting the teamwork. And uh, they also understand that to achieve their results, they're very result-oriented. So to achieve better results, they will need to have good people skills and wide range of skills to make things happen. So this is a great motivation for them. It's not, they're not really like, you know, basically achievers are not yet motivated to develop their people skills just because people skills are important, intrinsically important. But they kind of like think that, you know, if I have better skills in dealing with people, I will get better results. Mm-hmm. So that it's results driven and solution driven also. Mm-hmm. And uh, they become quite skills in skilled in juggling their managerial duties and responding to market demands to achieve the goals. Uh, they're not afraid of feedback. Mm-hmm. On the contrary, they will actively seek it because they understand that, again, you know, if I get feedback from people, this helps me develop. I see. And they, they kind of like, you know, where, where experts may be scared of having 
feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they are scared that what will I find about myself? I remember when I was at an expert stage and somebody suggested that I should do a 360 degree feedback mm-hmm. questionnaire. And I, I remember that my heart stopped, yeah. you know, because I was so afraid that there would be something really horrible about myself. Now, I have done 360 or 270 degree questionnaires and I have never found anything that, you know, would would be kind of like, you know, horrible. There's been things that I need to improve in my life, but everybody has them. And uh, in many ways, achievers are very efficient leaders and they are well suited to managerial work, able to produce their results on demand. Mm-hmm. And um, and they are kind of like, you know, regarded to be much, much more efficient and, and effective leaders than the previous ones, the opportunists, diplomats or the experts. Okay. Uh, the, the senior managers and CEOs are usually achiever stage. So you can have like a huge company CEO who has this kind of like an achiever um, mindset in themselves. And uh, most leadership training is aimed at creating successful achievers. And I would go as far as to say that our Finnish society on the whole much appreciates these achievers and our politicians kind of like, you know, they think that everybody needs to be productive and, you know, produce results and everybody needs to be part of the machinery here and and all that. And and this is kind of like almost seen as the highest stage of the Western world that, you know, you achieve, you achieve results. So so a long, long time, you know, this has been the goal of our educational systems. Mm -hmm. How do people produce better results? I think that feeling rewarded by admiration and being on the spotlight can create some challenges uh, when having to innovate and take risks as failure is involved in the process, right? When mm-hmm. we are learning yes, new yes. things, so it's uh, mm-hmm. something that will happen, yes or yes. Uh, how do you see that achievers are facing that concrete situation? Oh, you talk about the innovation and, and risk-taking and mm-hmm. all that, yes. Achievers are not very good at that yet. They, they are kind of like... Um, not very good at thinking outside the box. I see. They don't really have a lot of original thinking. They are good in kind of like putting into action, you know, the plans that some other people have or the, or the big goals that some other people have set and they know how to put those things into action. They can plan really effectively. They can they can create wonderful strategies. But if we talk about some breakthrough, uh, redoing business and, and all that and having like true innovation, It doesn't happen at Achiever stage. I see. I was in a fast-moving uh, goods company, and we had our innovation plans. And at some stage, you know, when when I was younger, I thought that you know these are wonderful innovations that we have. But then I started realizing that well, what what innovation is this? That this year we have. Um, Uh, strawberry flavor uh, dieting product. Next year we have a banana flavor dieting product. Is that a huge innovation? <laughs> so this is what this is what I mean. That you know we had we did we had a capability of producing new products, mm-hmm. but they were not like true innovations, like something that would change the market radically. That's a good example. Uh, the achievers' motto might be that getting things done better, faster. You know they could really good in doing that. But they will not come up with the unconventional and daring ideas that would challenge the present way of doing everything. And uh, we live in this world which is increasingly complex and fast-changing. Mm-hmm. And that's why companies need people who have that kind of like thinking skills. They have transformational leaders. They, they can do a lot more than just improve profitability or expand market share. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can change the rules of the game of their industry. And achievers uh, do not have that capacity To, to create that kind of transformations. And their leadership style is more suited to less turbulent times, which unfortunately we don't really have today. 
Then how do you move uh, from being an achiever into the next uh, developmental stage uh, that if I remember correct it's called uh, Catalyst? Often it happens so that you know achievers get to the point when they feel that they have done everything they possibly can. They have used all their tricks. And I recently talked to a CEO who told me that uh, he had been with the company for three years. In those three years he had renewed all company processes, he had relaunched the company brand, he had completed with the name change for the company, there was a new and clear strategy and they had improved customer satisfaction on existing customers etc etc, all these things that he knew what to do. But the one thing all these changes hadn't done, they hadn't helped their top line growth. You know, everything was still the same. You know, the changes he had implemented had been a had had a cosmetic impact, and this is what he said. Then he was very frustrated with the situation that I just need to get my people to understand that they need to run faster, work better, and achieve more, and I don't seem to be able to get the message through. And uh, this particular CEO, he was not ready to to have a, ha- have a discussion and you know part with that thinking that he thought that this is the way to solve everything, uh, and because it had made him successful in the first place, right? He had made his career. This is this is the thing about these stages that you know in each, at each stage we become we, we are in love with the things that make us successful at each stage, and we have a difficulty in parting with those things. When somebody says that okay, you you are successful because of this now but now I need you to let go of that how do you how do you let go of that when you don't yet have the skills of the next level right that's a scary point Mm -hmm. and how do you develop those and if you don't have anybody who is kind of like able to even to draw you a picture of the new skills that you might have or or might want to have then then you may well think that you know this is the way to do it and if this is this is what you've always seen in your environment there are people who are really willing to kind of like you know uh make a move from achiever to catalyst they mm-hmm. want they they have this kind of like internal feeling that there must be something more that there must be more than just making an other million dollars or a million euros or or just like you know having an other bonus this work must have some more a bigger meaning something of more value mm-hmm. And uh, they start they start the move towards catalyst when they begin asking questions that are out of the box and when they start defining what success looks for them, hmm. they become a little more self reflective and they ask what do I really want from this life? Hmm. So what if your company grows another five percent this year or if you will get a bonus that equals two months' pay? You know, when you have achieved everything that is achievable in traditional terms the search for meaning becomes more important. Why are we doing things that we are doing? And what is in it that we're wanting to create with our lives? And what is the most important part about that? You know, how can I contribute in, in a wider sense to this world and to these people that I'm working with? That sounds extremely interesting. And I think that it's already resonating uh, to a lot of our listeners. I believe uh, that it's rather dangerous also to be so dependent on those type of goals to be motivated as uh, when the goal loses its original meaning. Uh, You were talking about purpose. So Mm -hmm. when the goal loses the the initial uh, meaning and purpose, the intrinsic reason to be motivated, it's forgotten and it's gone as well, right? Yes, yes, yes. For, for many achievers, like getting into this phase may feel like that they're losing their way and the goals that used to be motivating may suddenly lose their attraction. I was recently talking with an American McKinsey consultant who is making over a million dollars 
per year. Like he's really successful in his field. He thinks that the the company that he's working for, McKinsey, is like the best place ever. Uh, he he says that people are very smart and the money is good, but he has one one problem only. You know, he hates the job that he's doing. The job he he used to love it before. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't give him satisfaction what he's doing. He wants to do something that is something is more meaningful than making another million dollars. And it's also sometimes the trap at uh, being good at something that we have developed our skills, but it's not actually what our purpose and what we really feel passionate about. Also, like many achievers are in such a competitive environment that they might not want to talk about their uh, changing perceptions and values. To do that, to do, uh, challenge your own perceptions could become, uh, could become a bit challenging as well for them. Yes. Sometimes I actually, I use a metaphor. I, I say so that, you know, you've put, you, you've put your ladder on the wrong wall. You've climbed the ladder up, you know, and then you find that you put the ladder on the wrong wall. <laughs> you find that, oh, oh, this is not the wall that I wanted to climb. And, or, or that why did I end up on this wall? Like, where, where did I, where did I go? And, uh, you know, if there are other people who are climbing there also, like with you, then there comes a point when you, you, you can't hide what's going on within you. Exactly. And and you start asking difficult questions yourself first, yeah. but then you start asking questions from the organization also. The organization sometimes finds it really irritating because the achiever-oriented organizations would rather get things done quickly and efficiently than have someone, you know, ask uncomfortable questions. Start questioning, like, you know, whether this is the long term. Are we are we just making, you know, profits this year or do you want to create profits within the next five years? Is this going to be relevant, what we're doing now, relevant in the five years? Mm-hmm. Now, this catalyst stage is the stage where you start asking questions like that. You start thinking longer term. Mm-hmm. And this may irritate colleagues and bosses because uh, you start ignoring some of the company processes and, and uh, you know, key people, you, you know, if people don't want to talk with you, you find other ways. You, you're not so much attached to the hierarchy anymore. And they start thinking about in these unconventional ways. Some people find it irritating. I find it fantastic. Um, unusual people are wonderful. Like my father was that kind of a person. Like, you know, he would come home and he said that, you know, oh, I met this the strangest person today. And this was like, for him, this was the greatest compliment that he could ever give, that somebody has like really weird thinking, like they have unusual thinking. They question the status quo. And um, on, on the positive side, they are very effective inventor. And, you know, when you have to start something new, they have the ability they they are suddenly like you know they can ask and question and and they can start creating something new and um, if the experts and achievers want to know why catalyst will ask why not that's the stage when you start asking like why not why can't we do this I can see that and actually re- recognize a lot of it uh, in the last step that took me for my uh, s- former senior executive position mm. to the wall of coaching and facilitation where I am at the moment. That right. was the face. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it was resonating quite much on uh, my own personal mm-hmm. experience. So I found that an extremely interesting point. Mm-hmm. So what could uh, they do then if they want to move on to the next stage? What would be the next phase? So for, so for achievers, if the achiever wants to move, move into catalysts, mm-hmm. As an achiever, you would take the goals that you were given and you start immediately moving towards the goals, right? You, you achieve the goals that you're given. Now, if you want to move into a catalyst, you stop and you, you start 
thinking about the goals themselves you know should we define this goal in another way like you know what 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 are we actually trying to achieve and we could start trying different approaches and reflecting on the worth of the goal uh, with the aim of improving the future goals mm-hmm. like so that you're not just thinking about that okay here's a goal and then you know you, you move immediately on on it the mckinsey consult consultant that i mentioned just was convinced that the company he is working in is the best company in the world but at the same time he was aware that it did not offer him the career path that he was hoping to create Mm -hmm. so the question that i asked the mckinsey consultant was how do you know that mckinsey is the best place for what you want to do next in your life like it had been the best place for him you know, for now, but for the things, because he said that it doesn't offer me the path that I'm hoping to have now, then asking the question that, you know, how do you know that this is the best place I see. for your future? And how can you be sure that there are no other wonderful opportunities in life? Like, how can you be so sure, you know, that McKinsey is the only place of happiness in this world? For some could be. So for some could, some it could be, but for him, because he was already like, you know, asking those questions in himself like you know and he was wondering and he needs to move away from this absolute certainty in matters that's right and this creates new opportunities achievers still may have like you know that this is the right thing and the right thing to do and this is absolutely the wrong thing to do achiever may still have like some of that left but catalysts there is a path a and then there's path b and then there's path c and then there's path d you see you suddenly start seeing that there's lots of opportunities and you know there's an endless like you know how many letters in the alphabet you know because previously it was enough that you know we have we, we create two options and we choose between them and that's like a really like we think that's a bright person who, mm-hmm. who isn't satisfied with just one solution but you know can create two even two yeah but catalysts have endless you know they, they can create endless solutions if you're happy in your life if you like being an achiever that's fine too but for many people it happens and uh, and if you want to find something more then you can start questioning those thoughts where you thought that it's absolutely certain that this is the way that the life is i think that finding a deeper meaning beyond achieving goals and reflecting uh, on their worth adds for sure a lot of value when chasing true meaning beyond what we are doing uh, we have talked about the most common traits of achievers and experts and i'm wondering which are the main characteristics of a catalyst then Well, catalysts spend a lot of time redefining their lives and their values. They, they ask a lot of questions. And it's not just uh, about uh, the work that they are do, doing, but they start asking questions about their own lives. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, how did I become the person that I am today? Like, uh, where did I get my values from? Do I really believe these things now? And, um, and they look past at their past with new eyes. And they start paying attention to their inner conflicts, for example. They start seeing that this company has these values and my values actually may not be like 100% the same as as these company values. For for me, for example, this happened in, in one company where I, I realized that the company value said that people are valuable. Right? There was this huge emphasis on, on people being valuable. And then I realized that the, the kind of like the work that I was doing, it was keeping me away from my family. I was not able to travel to my to see my parents and you know because there simply wasn't time at that stage. And and then, then I started seeing that there are these conflicting things. And and what does it really mean for me? Is it only that people at the company have value or or are there other people also who have value and how do I balance these things? 
so often for catalysts, uh, it's, it's like becoming acutely aware of the gap that they may exist with what they say they value and what they actually do. Mm-hmm. This stage is uh, about trying to figure out what I I want instead of what others want for their lives. Mm-hmm. And for many, this stage may, stage means making changes in their lives. They change the direction of their career or do something totally, totally different. Eventually, you know, this can be a really painful stage because for some people this happens when they're at their 40s or some people it happens when they're at their 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if you start thinking, redefine your career when you're in your 50s, you kind of like think that, you know, oh no, do I need to start studying again? Or, what, what, you know, have I wasted my life so far? And, you know, what, what's going to happen now? And, you know, how am I going to feed my children if you still children are still at home? And, you know, there, there's all kinds of like, you know, choices that you have to make. And um, and every every everyone who works in it, eventually this brings big, bigger freedom, because but you still have to work through this, and this is sometimes very very straining, and it takes a lot of energy. And if you don't understand that this is just one phase of your growth process, you may think that you have lost it, you know. But it's not so, you know. This is just like one way of redefining and becoming a catalyst and, and finding. And most people who who come to this stage, they start growing because they start. They they have they are they have they have a habit of asking questions, and when you ask a lot of questions, these questions lead into wisdom. And even if catalysts decide to stay where they have been working, they will start making changes in the work. They they will find another way of re- defining what they are actually about in their in their job, and they will be able to help organizations to stay relevant and change within the times. I think that from what you have been saying, one key element is the attachment, the ability that we have uh, yes. to let go. And this reminds to one story I heard once uh, as I was coaching in the, in Asia. Uh, somebody was telling me the, the interesting story of the of the Dead Sea. That, by the way, is not a sea, as some of you know, it's a lake, right? Uh, and that uh, the Dead Sea is fed by the Jordan River, uh, river waters. In that lake, as some of you may know, nothing survives, nothing, nothing can live there because the salinity is so high that there's no life whatsoever. The interesting thing is just a few kilometers north, uh, there is another sea called the Galilean Sea. Mm. And that sea is fed by the same waters from the Jordan River. Having said that, in the Galilean Sea, there's over 20 species of fishes, there's a lot of plants, there's a lot of life in that uh, in that sea, which is, once again, it's a lake. The main difference between both of those, uh, you know, the Dead Sea and the Galilean Sea, is that uh, when the water goes into the uh, into the Dead Sea lake, uh, it just stays there. Yes. It goes nowhere. Yes. It stays there, and over time, of course, the salinity just mm-hmm. ends up killing everything. On the other example, on the Galilean Sea, the water comes in, and then he lets it go. Yes. So there is always a fresh yes. source of water yes. comes in and lets go. And I think that's a beautiful metaphor for our growth as well. We are who we are today, thanks to those things of the past and yes. what we became. Yes. But sometimes it's also good to learn to let go, say thank you to yes. those experiences, yeah. and then let that water fly Yes. flow to the next uh, to the next stage and allow ourselves for for growth otherwise when we are stuck yes. with uh, with all those uh, past achievements and i'm sure you know this is a fascinating uh, discussion and i'm sure that there's a lot more we could talk about mm, yes i i think that you know it's and and every time like what, what's so fascinating is that when i get into these coaching sessions with people and i start asking about them and their lives they're so able to tell you know their life story and you know say that oh at that time i was 
I, I was thinking exactly like that. And, and this is this is what it felt like. And, you know, and now I'm here. The people people really have like, you know, great reflective. I find it so, so rewarding. And it's such an honor, you know, often, you know, after these discussions, I feel that I have become so enriched. W- what do you think, Mark? How, how do these thoughts resonate with you? I think that uh, they resonated a lot of a uh, lot of thoughts uh, very deeply, uh, not just with myself mm-hmm. and the stages of my life uh, being going through, through my professional life and uh, the kind of work I'm doing at the moment. And also I was thinking of some stories and experiences uh, I have heard during the last months and years uh, with mm-hmm. my clients, especially during a retreat we do with executives and uh, professionals called uh, findyourself.fi, uh, when we spend three days fully on these topics. And you can see that we are not alone on this journey, yeah. that a lot of us go through the same struggles. And there's nothing more beautiful to get the social support of others, to yeah. feel that it is okay. We are not uh, strange aliens going yes. through this. Uh, and that when we learn to get rid of that attachment and decide what is the next stage, and a decision could be not to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. As long as you are conscious about it and you decide yes. that this is the stage where I want to stay, then we can become a lake of life and uh, nurturing our growth in a different way. Yeah. It's all about gaining that consciousness and that awareness. So uh, I saw a lot of it reflecting in my own life as well. Yeah. And, and you know, and if we think about this theory, that uh, one thing that I didn't mention is that, you know, you don't move from one stage to another within half a year or a year. Mm-hmm. It may take seven years or 10 years that you develop the certain skills and your thinking because we grow and mature, you know, quite slowly. Some people, sometimes we have, uh, we take like a, a spurt in our growth, like we, we grow really fast. Then we have a more stable period when we are kind of like, you know, there's not so much that's seen on the surface, mm-hmm. but uh, we are all the time, we are evolving and, you know, and hopefully we are not being stuck in our thinking. So we can be patient about this also, like, you know, it's it's not something, this is not a race. There is no race, like, you know, that you have to be, a, you know, this is not a measure of your value as a your human worth. being. It's not a measure of your value or worth. Yes. It's just the way that, you know, uh, it, it may be helpful in some context for you to think differently. Could it even be that in some stages we fall back? Yes, of and course. Then, then when we are, you know, we, we are in certain situations, we can be triggered really easily into an opportunist behavior. I can see myself like, you know, triggered into into certain behaviors that are from earlier stages. And, you know, we each have like favorite places where we can um, kind of like go back to. Well, I think that we could be talking for hours about this topic and it could be a good reason to bring you back again to our show. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And looking forward to have the chance to talk with you again in the future. It would be lovely to come back. It's been a great experience. (laughs) Thank you very much. Bye-bye. So that was all for today. And thank you very much for being a loyal listener. Let us know if there is any topic you would like us to cover down in the space for comments. Have a great rest of the week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our bi-weekly podcast. And remember, this is about spreading and sharing the knowledge. So feel free to forward this audio to anybody you believe could get any benefit out of it. 
Coaching Talks Podcast, your inspirational moment to continue your growth journey.